Hello and welcome to another edition of Bills From Afar podcast. You with me, Tim Rudge, and my co-host Charlie. Charlie, how are you doing? I'm good. Good. Back from the US. Back into the you know, British soil. Um, Can we just uh, start by saying you still got all your possessions? You didn't lose your wallet, <laughs> your laptop. I didn't lose anything. Like no, didn't even like misplace anything during the whole trip. It was that's a good start. All hassle-free, and I actually had quite a lot of traveling as well. So I went to Boston for a bit, went to Chicago, went to Charlotte, back to Boston, and came home. So yeah, fortunate. But I, I guess I'm getting back into the rhythm of things after COVID. Yeah. Do you know what would be a good idea for when you don't go to Buffalo Bills games, but you're still wearing Buffalo merch? Mm-hmm. I think it would be good to kind of tally up how many Go Bills you get on your trips. Yeah, I only got one this trip, which is a bit disappointing. Just one? But, but, but it, well, sort of. Okay, so, Where was it? Um, it was on the flight from uh, Boston to Chicago. And um, it was actually the air host guy. Um, so he was just walking past, you know, the guy that sort of serves drinks and things, and he just said, go Bills. And I just had my, my cap on and he would kind of shot off. And I was like, where did that come from? And I realized it was him. And then when he, he came back serving out, we just had a really good chat. He was from Buffalo. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was great, actually. It, it was, it's a funny thing. Um, I think I put this out on Twitter that I, I never get that in the UK. You and I were once sat in London and we were sort of having a coffee. And then we, we stepped out of the coffee shop and then a woman said, go Bills to us both because we were on our way to an NFL game. We had a Bills jerseys on. We were like, whoa, that's the first time that had ever happened to either yeah. of us. Um, and um, when I'm away and it happens, it makes you feel like this is part of this special club, doesn't it? You know, it's kind of, um, it, it does, I don't think the other NFL fan bases do this, um, but it, it's almost the law that you have to let on if you see another Bills fan. And um, um, yeah, it, it's just great. And it makes me feel how, how this sort of, ah, oh, Bills fans are everywhere. And, and I love that. So, so yeah, that was the only real time. But I did get to hang out with some other Bills fans in Chicago. Um, so shout out to... Um, to Heather, uh, Eric, and uh, and to Nikki, uh, we went on a bit of a uh, river boat trip in Chicago, which was great. And they're they're a great laugh, good fun. Um, had a few drinks, and um, yeah, they're all Bills fans, two of which live in Chicago. Um, Heather and has a has season tickets, um, and she flies back from from most home games. So that was great, actually. So never met before, but we we're kind of friendly on Twitter, and um, it was great to hang out with some other Bills mafia and just talk Bills and, and other stuff. Yeah, great stuff. Just going back to your point about hearing the Go Bills in the UK and, Mm. you know, it means a lot to me when I hear that. Um, But it's funny, like when I'm in my work environment, I've had a few people because I have a Bills mug standard, you know, and Mm. a few people have recognised it and they say, oh, you're a Bills fan. And then just anything, even if they're not a Bills fan, but they just know <laughs> that it's the Bills logo and what it yeah. represents. I just get so excited by that. Like I'll just talk to them for five, ten minutes. Like regardless, like, I had a guy um, in another department come to me and just say, "Oh, I've actually got family myself, actually from Buffalo. Like I'm oh, not really? a fan, but I know that know the area. I know how cold it gets. I know how mad the fans are. And I've had a uh, someone else just notice it." Um, I think I was wearing one of my jackets, actually, like a hoodie that I've got with the Bills logo. And she was talking about it and just saying she was a big you know, NFL fan. And I think she was a Browns fan, which isn't great, clearly. No, but, uh, yeah, indeed. <laughs> with, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's just nice. A- a- any, you know, recognition to, you know, for Bills and yeah. not just Bills. But speaking to, like, NFL, like, especially when you're in your work environment or, you know, if you're just out and about, you know, locally, it, it means a lot. You know, when you go to... 
Even like when we went to the um, Jets Falcons game last there was year, like quite a few school. Bills fans, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, got a lot of, plenty of Go Bills there. Definitely more than what I saw at the Eagles Jags game in I think 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely more, but um, just speaking to a lot of other fans, you know, clearly Josh Allen, you know, he's an exciting player. You know, I was speaking to just some people at the queue during I think the second half, uh, second quarter, mm-hmm. uh, when I was waiting for drinks, and they were just talking and you know glowing you know yeah. about the bills so it's just nice good point good point i think that the, the bills are now a kind of a conversation starter aren't they because people when i can talk to fans of other teams and they just go oh, i love love josh allen i love watching josh allen and it's it's um it's weird because normally the bills like you know oh, yeah i know the bills it's a we were in a tough time and now it, people sort of want to talk about the bills they want to talk about josh allen um and he's, yeah, it's great. It's great. I mean, it feels like wherever you go, you can, you can, you can talk to to anybody that's sort of interesting in the NFL. Yeah, unless you see AFC East fans, I've realised that in recent years because because the Bills have become dominant, they they say nothing. They keep their heads down and just walk past <laughs> you, don't they? It's better. It's better in the US actually. I think there's a lot more. Well, I, I think here you've got a few more, you know, Glory Hunter Patriots fans and long-suffering Jets uh, Dolphins fans, I suppose. But I find in the US, I've never really had a problem. At least as I'm talking people to people through work or what have you, um, or if I'm actually sort of. I'm not just walking through down the street. I tend to find that um, it's not too bad. It's weird in Boston. You see people wearing Patriots gear all the time, and nobody ever says a word to me if I'm wearing my Bills gear. But just to go back to something you said about talking about the NFL at work. Um, I was interviewing for a um, a job. And I was hiring somebody in the US uh, one time, and um, I looked at this guy's CV, and it had St Bonaventure University. I was like, this guy's got to be a Bills fan. So I <laughs> I gave him on the on the call, and I said, oh, so you went to uh, to to Bonnie's? And he goes, yeah. How, how how would you know about that? You know, and I was like, "Are you a Bills fan by any chance?" He goes, "Yeah." How the how do you hell do you know that? I said, "Well, you know, I'm also a Bills fan, and you know, we know we're familiar with the sort of universities and schools around in the area." And it was just one of those really funny moments where this guy was like, "This English bloke, what on earth is he talking about? How on earth has he ever heard of this sort of you know, relatively obscure outside of West New York University?" So yeah, it's funny. Um, did you offer him the job there and then i did not sadly sadly he was uh, he was he was not qualified for the position and uh i ended the interview early because if i heard (laughs) oh yeah i am actually a bills fan oh there you go there's your job offer (laughs) so i I have a a, regular listeners are probably familiar but i have a sort of small team in the states and i've got there's a broncos fan there's a patriots fan there's a giants fan um there is a Kansas City fan who actually didn't admit to me for quite a long time that she was a Kansas City fan simply because she works for me and didn't want to upset me. Like, it doesn't upset me. I'm just, you know, feel sorry for you. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's, so it's, it's weird. Um, so football does come up quite a bit, uh, which is, yeah. which is, which is nice. And, um, but I think I'm probably the I'm, the, I'm the hardcore fan of everybody. Um, Great stuff. So, shall we get into our part two of our um, you know, hopes and fears for uh, this time for the for the defense? Yeah, I think we need to make a better effort to make everyone aware of what we're going to be doing today. Um, we just love going off on the tangent. Like it's it's great bills chat right. still, but uh, yes. Yeah, so, what we are doing today is we're going to do the same exercise that we've done on uh, a podcast a couple of uh, episodes ago now on the offense, but we're going to do it on the defense, and it's basically three things that excite us or give us hope heading into the 2022 season and on the flip side three things that concern us as well 
uh, about, if we can think uh, of three <laughs> if we can think of three yeah exactly and then we'll do a little bit of special teams at the end but you know there won't be free free uh things to excite us and free concern us in that area but we'll, we'll touch on those as well so yes we'll start on uh, what we're excited about about first so charlie what's what's your first one so i think i'm gonna we have to talk about this new defensive line um you know i knew you'd quite, head there first well, I was debating whether we should talk about um, Kyrie Ulam, but I think with Von Miller joining the team, it's such a dramatic change at a uh, defensive end. And I think it's going to make us more dynamic. I think we're going to see a different style of edge rusher than we've seen. You know, it's more of a, a wider style, less hand in the dirt stuff, uh, more of a bendy guy. We, we would hope that he's going to help develop um, AJ Panessa, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Masham. You know, we saw them all going off to this um, edge rusher um, what camp, I guess it's called, hosted by yeah, Bob Miller. Pass Rush Summit. Yeah, Pass Rush Summit, that's it. Um, which I think is all going to be good news for us. But you know, if we just look at the, the defensive line as a whole, I think we've got a step up at, um, at defensive tackle um, into Quan Jones. I think we're going to see another year of development into Greg Rousseau, who was already a really good run defender. Um, and then we've got Von Miller. It's, it's a very different um, defensive line. And I think we're going to see be- the benefit for someone like Ed Oliver. We've talked about this before he's not going to get double teamed the same way. There's not going to be possible um, to cover all the different threats that we have. So I think that's really exciting. I am going to have a slight sidebar chat about this though, because do you think they draft Boogie Basham knowing that they were going to get Ron Miller this year? Because I don't. No, I think they're no idea. I think they're just trying to, you know, drafting the three edge players like they did with AJ Panessa, Boogie Basham and uh, Gregory Rousseau. I think they were just throwing as many darts as they can because, you know, we've got the Jerry Hughes and the Mars, um, Mario Addison, and they're obviously getting older. just felt like, you know, they needed to invest in that premium position and they're throwing as many darts as possible. In my I, I, was, I, was, I was listening to a bit of Joe Marino the other day and he was doing a sort of retrospective draft analysis. I thought, yeah, it's interesting, yeah. you know, with it, Bean gets a lot of credit for, for his for his draft uh, analysis. But remember last year, we weren't so happy. You, know, you and I weren't so happy. I mean, what do we know? But there were some, there were some que- queries that we had. And one of them was, why have we drafted two edge rushers? So I was just playing it out. Like, if we knew we were going to go after a top-ranked edge rusher this year, um, or Von Miller or somebody else, there's no way they draft Boogie Basham. So what were they probably drafted in that second round? Probably a cornerback. Yeah, that probably would have been where they, they went, went with that. And then suddenly yeah. you've got on this ripple effect. So suddenly this year, we don't need to draft a cornerback in the first round. And I just thought, hang on a minute. Bean's getting a bit of a free pass on this. <laughs> and far be it from me. I think he's a fantastic guy. And of course, not all draft picks um, work out. This was clearly a, a hedge against Rousseau working out or not, um, or AJ Epinesa working out or not. But I just thought, yeah, there's a little ripple effect here that I'm not sure I'm too happy with. We could have had essentially an extra first round pick knowing what we now know. And of course, you know, we can always look at things with hindsight, but I'm just going to have a slight rant on that. So totally disconnected to what we were talking about today. But yeah. It just occurred to me. Yeah, no, I think the Chiefs game um, at the end of the season and the playoffs had a lot to do with that just because Mahomes had so much time in the pocket and he was able to scramble uh, and make, uh, you know, convert first downs mm. um, just with his legs. And, you know, there wasn't, an, yeah, there was a bit of pressure on him, but it wasn't being converted into sacks. And I think they've got a bit of a stopgap in terms of, you know, the veterans, clearly Hughes yeah. and Addison, they didn't want to bring back. And then you can't just rely on the three young edge players, more edge players, you know, they needed someone there. 
Um, I didn't think it'd be, you know, a big splash on, on Miller. I, I just didn't. I had no expectations. I thought no, if they were going to pay, if they were going to put, you know, spend big money, it'd be on being on Chandler Jones. So when he went, I thought, oh, this isn't going to happen anymore. I was kind of hoping to settle on the Melvin Ingram or something like that. Well, I mean, most people would have thought he was just going to renew it um, in LA, wouldn't they? I mean, yeah, it, it just seemed you're just going to win a Super Bowl. Uh, why, that, why on earth wouldn't you stay there? So, but yeah, so I mean, it's a bit of a sidebar, but I think that Von Miller changes everything. And I think that we're not, we're not just going to see more production edge. We're also going to see more production at the middle. Um, yeah. This is going to, it's not, doesn't just strengthen. It's not just an upgrade over Jerry Hughes. It's also a, a net positive to um, Ed Oliver. And I think that that's uh, really exciting. So yeah, that's my, my first on the list. I think we've got a reworked and more exciting defensive line. Yeah, I'll piggyback off yours because that's exactly where I went. But I focused more on the edge players uh, for this particular one. So, as you said, the Von Miller effect, you know, he you know, he leads, he, he arranges for that um, quarterback pass rush summit. And they've got him every day, you know, in the building every day. It's not just that one summit that they've got him in. You know, Rousseau, Basham and Epinesa, they've got access to him all season, all through training camp. And I just think that they're going to learn so much. Um, from just having him in the building and having him, um, you know, on the other end as well, it's just only going to not just going to help them because, you know, they're going to get more one and one and one opportunities with the other tackle. So not only will Von Miller be in there and just his presence and you know his ability to get to the quarterback is going to help the team, but that's just going to help free up Rousseau and uh, Basham and Epinesa and uh, Shaq Lawson as well. Um, so I, th- I think you raise a good point though. It isn't just his ability; it's the character of the guy. You know, he's not just yeah. there for his skills. He's also said, "I want to spread the wealth. I want to. I want to teach others what I know and share that my experiences." That that thing that speaks to the man and. That's exactly the kind of guy that Beanie McDermott wants. Yeah, no, and as McDermott said, you know that we need these young edge players to step up. You know, they're heading to their year twos, year threes. We can't be reliant on just Miller and Oliver to get to quarterback, and we just can't keep dialing up blitzes to create pressure. Like we need to get home with an organic four-man rush, and you know. I think ultimately just having Miller in a room, you know, and those guys having another preseason, having another training camp, you know, I think there's room there to grow. And I even came up with a hot take, you know, um, that I sent to Pat Moran on his show uh, two or three weeks back now um, that I feel like Rousseau actually might get more sacks than Von Miller purely because everyone's thinking Von Miller is going to be on the field for 75%, 80% of the snaps. And, you know, he has been no, most of his career, but yeah. I can't see it. You know, I think he will be the edge player that probably has the highest percentage, but I think it's going to be mainly designated pass rush on third downs. I think they're going to, you know, limit his time in the regular season as well. Like, I feel like there might be some times where, you know, he, you know, isn't on the field as much. Like you are going to get games at Rousseau and especially if you've got big leads, you know, he's, he's just going to not be used as much. He's going to be used more in the postseason. So I feel like in a regular season, there's an opportunity there for Rousseau to actually get more sacks than Miller just because Miller won't be on the field quite as much as what people think is what I'm trying to say. I don't think he's yeah. going to be there 75, 80% of the snaps. I think it's more 55, 60% kind of in that ballpark and I, I think Rousseau will be there similar so who would be let's assume you know Rousseau and, and Von Miller are our you know first first starting point choice yeah. um, edge rushers mm-hmm. 
who's three and four, would you say, right now, based upon what we know? I think it would be just the younger guys. I think Epinesa you think and, and Basham. Yeah, I think so, because Lawson's great run defender, but I think Biggie Basham has that uh, ability in the run game and he's got a little bit more upside clearly in, in, in as a rusher. Um, so, yeah, it might depend on who we play. That's a good point, actually. That's a good who point. do you feel... Who are you the most out of these three young edge players? Who are you most like down on? Who, who are you um, a little bit concerned isn't up to standard and won't ever get there? I know they're still young and they've got that time to develop, but do you have any concerns about the three young players we've got there? It's a good question. So I don't, certainly don't have any concerns about Rousseau. I think he's got all the mm-hmm. physical traits we would want to see. He's an enormous man and he's got um, you know great athleticism. And I think that we've already seen him being a top-ranked uh, run defender um, in 2021. So I don't think we have any concerns about him. You know, if he continues to develop, he's a solid first round pick. I think that the other two are a quandary because I think that AJ Panessa has a higher ceiling than Boogie Basham. But I think Boogie Basham is certainly from what we saw last year is a better player, at least for now. What we haven't seen though is an awful lot of development at AJ Panessa. We've seen his weight go up and down. Um, I think that this is quite an important season for him. Um, we need to see. Yeah. We need to see something from him. There's a horrible, I guess, horrible Cody Ford feeling about AJ Panessa. Um, yeah, that's where I am as well. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, you worry a little bit about him. He, he seems like when you watch him, he's only you know making plays against Dolphins, against the worst. Well, it was the worst O line uh, in the NFL. It's not going to be great this yeah, season. Yeah, I think we, when yeah. we saw that game last season, we thought, oh yeah, wow, he's yeah. really stepped up, and, and you realise now he's just he's got that first step explosiveness, tackle. and yeah. you know he, he he seems to show that against the Dolphins, but the other games he's kind of you know found wanting. But hopefully, you know, we had Hughes, and I know Hughes. You know, we all loved Hughes, and uh, he was very well respected within the organization, clearly. And, you know, he was able to do things. He was able to get pressure on the quarterback, but he wasn't that big, you know, presence. He's not Von Miller, you know. He didn't Sack numbers were never there that. with Jerry Hughes in the recent years, though, were they? I mean, good contain, no. good run defender, but we just simply weren't getting him seen him get to the quarterback enough. Um, just lost, I guess, the other pace. Um, it happens yeah. as someone ages. Yeah. What's your second? So my second one is, is um, Kyrie Elam. Uh, I think that uh, we've all been crying out for a more athletic uh, corner to go play opposite Trey White, someone that gives us more options, someone who can go in man coverage against some of the you know speedier guys, someone who wasn't perhaps limited physically like um, Levi Wallace was. Um, I have to say that I wasn't, it wasn't one of my first choices. I think there were, there were four or five guys I had ranked higher than him in the draft, but certainly when we, when we drafted him, he was the highest ranked I had left. Um, and I think, you know, when you hear his, his interviews, when you can see his work ethic and, you know, sort of stuff that Michael High was saying, to, saying about him in terms of his, you know, constantly wanting to learn and, and he gets it and a lot of similarities to how Trey White was when he joined the Bills. Um, I think he's not just a physical traits guy, he's also a character guy. We know how important that is for, uh, for this, uh, this coaching staff. So I think not necessarily initially, I think people need to measure their expectations in terms of what that first five or six games is going to be like. But we know that he's got the work ethic, the athleticism, um, the talent to get to a really solid cornerback too. And um, yeah, I think that that's going to make, if you add that to the improvements on the defensive line, that makes this defense really scary. I mean, this was the 
top ranked defense, I think, if I remember correctly, yeah, last year. By a fair distance and it, as well. I honestly feel like we've improved it quite a bit um, with three signings of Von Miller, Daquan Johnson, and um, and uh, Kyrie Elam. So obviously, we don't, we, as Trey White's injury, we'll come on to that later. But I think that uh, that should create a pretty scaring defense where there aren't easy options in terms of uh, deep passing. Um, I think we'll see. We'll probably see one of our safeties play a little bit more in the box than perhaps we haven't have done in the past, and I think uh, we, that secondary is going to buy this this line time to get home. I mean, you consider the fact we've got a better line in the first place. I, I think it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm really can't wait to see it. Yeah, what's You've your number two side? Then uh, Levi Wallace, hasn't he? Just to go yeah. back to Elam quickly. It's funny that you say he's probably like your fifth ranked uh, cornerback in the draft, mm. but that's you know we only scout the film and like the athletic traits that we see on the field. Yeah, we can't scout, scout the character, we, can we? No, you yeah. know, there's there's not many people you know that actually scout players that aren't linked to the teams. So, you know, I think though he was probably in a similar place for the Bills. They did move up for him, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and so, I th- and and then they took him just when I think uh, there was it's before a bit the Cowboys. Of, yeah, there's a bit of a, there was a bit of a run on quarterback. So I think he was the last guy that they really wanted or were prepared to take in the first round. You could look it another way. You maybe he was their top ranked guy, and they were worried they were going to lose him. But I suspect that um, he was one of the top tier guys that they wanted. Um, maybe I've heard on a few. Yeah, I've heard on a few um, other draft podcasts, like post draft, that the Chiefs went up from, I think it's 28, 29 to 21 um, to get Trent McDuffie. And mm. that, That's what the, triggered the Bills weren't looking then. to trade up, but that triggered yeah. the Bills because I think we're pretty comfortable taking either of those players. Yeah, um, They were both on the board at that time. So I think once one of them came off the board, I don't know who was that 22nd, second, I can't really remember now, but you know that triggered them to look to move beyond mm the Cowboys because they're clearly prepped and earmarked that they do like mock drafts themselves don't they just like a day or two before they yep. probably felt like you know that he would have been pretty high on their board yeah. and uh, got ahead of him so no really excited really looking forward to seeing him so my second uh, choice for this was um, Ed Oliver true breakout so mm. I felt like he had a his strongest season uh, last season, uh, his most consistent season last season, even though you look at the stats and it felt underwhelming. I think he had only two and a half sacks, something like that. But you felt look at him, yeah, like when you watch a film, he was consistently he was beating, yeah. you know, his blocks uh, with a guard, and, you know, centers. He was one of the most double blocked um, defensive tackles, or I think any like, lineman uh, in the NFL as well. Yeah, he was winning his battles and he was. Great and home out of pressure um, so on the quarterback. Do you, do you see the same way as me? Is that opposition offenses looked at Ed Oliver and thought he's the biggest threat, not off the edge, not at the other diff- one tech. The, the three techs are the biggest uh, threat. Therefore, we're going to double team him. Yeah, um, because that's how I see it. And therefore, the fact he started to break through a little bit more, I think, was we started to see the play that we we thought we drafted um, a bit more consistently. Yeah. Pressures were but, great. Sorry, go on. Yeah. yeah, no, I feel like last season it was pretty easy to block against this uh, defensive line just because with Rousseau and Hughes, you know, they're pretty good, especially Rousseau, um, good at contain. I feel like that's what the Bills like to do is try and contain and not allow the quarterbacks to scramble and get out of the pocket and, you know, allow that contain um, to you know, get to the quarterback is is not quick, and you know Oliver is is his only season last season. He played through 
true free technique and he was given that license to rush the the quarterback whereas the edge players it was more contained and you know um keep, keep your you know rushing lanes and that kind of thing so I feel like, as we talked about already with Von Miller edition and, you know, these younger edge players and, you know, the, the, the improvements in one tech as well, all of that's going to culminate and give Ed Oliver more opportunities, possibly a few more one-on-one opportunities because, you know, they might be more focused on Von Miller. Uh, and, you know, he's going into his fourth season as well. I know we picked up his uh, fifth-year option, but you've got to think that, the Bills are going to be looking to extend him very soon. If he has a big year this season, that's only going to help him in his negotiations next off-season. So I feel like it's a big year for him. It has been every single year, I feel like, just because of the expectations, because he's by far the biggest, the highest draft pick we've made for a good few years since, since Josh Allen. Uh, you know, And he's got by far the most athletic upside on this D-line that all this will culminate and I expect a big breakout year from him. Yeah, agreed. What about your second? Uh, you mean my third? I think we're already on to my third. Oh, so, um, third yeah. now, yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's Decon Jones. Um, we've been crying out for a good, solid one-tech, somebody who can sort of deal with two gaps. And I think he's the guy. I think he had a really good career in, in Tennessee um, so far. And also, I think he signed what he did... Um, uh, did one year's at the, at the Panthers, but yeah. so if you look at his his stats during his time at Tennessee, I think he was uh, you know, pretty much a starter for um, well, what six six seven seasons. So um, I, yeah, I'm quite excited because I think there's there's two big benefits here. One is that I think we should be better at defending the runs at the middle, which we have suffered from in the past. And I think it's going to free up Tremaine Edmonds to be a bit more aggressive. And we you know we've seen some times where Tremaine hasn't always picked the right path um picked up the right gap and um that's caused us some problems i think if we know that we've got Decon jones jones there soaking up the middle of that um offensive line it's going to free up ed oliver it's going to make us harder to run against i think um it's an underrated signing and not enough people are talking about it yeah no i agree i think it's a much improved area probably when you look at you know the group that we had last season versus what we've got for this season i think you compare you know all of the position groups and it's hard to argue against that group being you know the strongest the most improved uh unit so this is the best defensive line we've had for quite a long time (laughs) i was just thinking back about for, for longer than i can easily remember yeah, you probably got to go back to Carl Williams and Marcel Darius, and even when we had Mario Williams and you know Jerry Hughes, clearly like you know that was a elite defensive line, but it didn't have a depth at, at that point of time. You know this year, you look this year, you've not only got the talent. Yes, you know the front four isn't quite to the level that we had back in 2014, 2015, but the depth is so much better that we know how McDermott rotates his defensive line. I don't think that's going to you know, there's going to be anything that changes that this season. They'll be rotating again, and you can only expect improvement not only from the run defense, but for the pass rush as well. So, yeah. no, completely it, agree. It, 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 it's really it may exciting. take a little time to settle down. I mean, you know, it's it's course, you know, it, it, essentially it's just two new pieces on that defensive line, but um, I think that uh, that the you know middle of the season onwards we should be seeing the best of it. And Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson really help. You know, that that system hasn't changed too much since they, I'm they quite left. Optimistic about Shaq Lawson, especially. I think uh, they're gonna have roles. You yeah, know, I they think are. both Jordan they are. Phillips and uh, Shaq Lawson, I think they're gonna I can't see them being cut, you know, that they've performed well when they've been 
uh, you know, uh, with the team before. So I feel like they're going to have roles and they're going to contribute and be useful depth, won't they? For some some players, the right environment's everything. You know, it's not just about them. It's about what they're surrounded with. And let's hope that coming back to Buffalo is going to be the, that environment that they're looking for. I mean, they're on bargain deals anyway, so it's kind of low risk. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, a, it's a great offensive, sorry, great defensive line and great depth on defensive line. And I think, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see it play. Yeah. Cool. So I'll go to my last one then. So I've gone for Terrell Bernard and I'm not, I'm not necessarily excited by this, but I'm more really intrigued by it just about his role and how he'll be deployed as we progress into the season. So they used a third round pick on him. So that's a semi premium pick. It's clearly not a a first round pick, but it's a third round pick. And we saw a Spencer Brown, you know, meant a lot to them last season when they came in and, um, was way ahead of schedule for him. Uh, and, you know, this pick, this selection, you know, seems to be a undersized outside linebacker where they've not really got a clear route currently to play. Well, you know, we see Milano and Edmonds, they're, they're clearly the uh, established linebacker core. We pretty much play nickel, you know, most most of the time now. So they're drafting him third round he's not going to be just a special team player um, and, and he's got a particular skill set as well that, that actually mirrors Matt, Matt Milano's role you know you look at him and he's got the speed and you know he can cover and he can blitz well which is what Matt Milano can do so is he being brought in to play alongside Matt Milano you know could Jermaine Edmonds after the fifth year go I'm not saying he will but could could Matt um Milano now become yeah as I said the Mike linebacker right. in place Tremaine Edmonds I got I think four theories <laughs> Four. Four on Terrell Bernard. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, you can tell I spend way too much time thinking about this crap. Um, <laughs> theory one is actually he's going to be our new strong safety and they'll let Ployer walk at the end of 2022. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So theory two is he is just simply a more dynamic, pass-orientated um, defender than AJ Klein. And they, they're going to use him in the sort of, you know, against two tight end sets. Um, theory three, Three is he's actually a big slot and he's, the job is to go up against some of the bigger uh, bigger slots that are out there, maybe run with linebackers in the middle of the field. Um, and theory four, which is one that I hadn't thought about until relatively recently is, let's suppose Tremaine Edmonds breaks out and he's the player that we all hoped he was going to be. He's going to recommend an awful lot of money and he has a very unique physical um, skill set in sort of his size. There's no way they can let him walk if he's going to be that player, but that's going to tie up an awful lot of money in linebacker. Is he the hedge against that? And the intention is if he, if, if Tremaine Edmonds becomes what we, we think he can be, we're actually going to trade Matt Milano for actually quite a premium pick, I would imagine, and slide him in next door to uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Oh, I don't like the prospect of Matt Milano going just because of, I love neither. him as a player. Me neither, but you can't pay but, everybody and you might no. at least get cheaper at middle at yeah. linebacker. So I don't know which of those theories. Sometimes we'll get somebody who's more analytically minded on the pod at some point than, than you and I and, and try to run through those because I'm fascinated because this is a third round pick. They have a plan. There's no way yeah. you can say they don't have a plan. Um, the question is, what is the plan? And we're not hearing anything enough out of... Uh, the training camp OTA so far that sort of gives us any indications. Um, maybe it will be preseason when we start to see what what that plan is. But um, I think the most likely one, and this is just a gut feel, is that he's actually the long term replacement to Jordan Poyer. 
um, mm. and they'll play him a strong safety. But that's interesting because I think he has played strong safety in the past, and yeah, he's got that skill set uh, to be able to play like that and play down in the box and you know shoot gaps and that kind of thing. I mean, we know they well, wanted so. a big slot. You know, they, they went after Cal Duggar, didn't they? That position yeah. sort of player. Then we know they wanted that style of player, but I just didn't expect it to be a third round pick, and I didn't expect it to be him. So, yeah. It's a weird one, and that'll be fascinating to see. And we might not actually see what the long-term plan is for another season yet. But, um, yeah, but I, I think it's, it's certainly an area of intrigue, for sure. I mean, this defence is great without um, him already. So whatever they do with him is going to be, uh, hopefully, the cherry on top. But Maybe he's even like a third-down designated player because, as we said, we've got, he's got the sideline to sideline. He can drop in coverage, and he can um, you know, use his speed as a blitzer. So you could almost argue he could, you know, he could almost like a third also play in a nickel, like a cover yeah, three. Type. Yeah, it'd be a dime. You know, yeah. so I think he's so versatile. I think if you had him on the field and Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds are there, and, you know, I think Teron Teron Johnson will play a lot. But there might be instances where they'll try and throw the defense off, and they'll bring, you know, Terrell Edmonds in. They'll play three linebackers just because mm-hmm. he's that versatile. He's like a JOK from last season, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's probably, yeah, that type of player that you can kind of use as a, yeah. you know, chess piece. And I really wanted JOK. <laughs> yeah, when he now. fell, <laughs> when, when he fell, we all thought, oh, come on, really trade up, that. trade up. Yeah, yeah it yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. He played well last season as well. But yeah, yeah. so let's move on to three things that we're concerned about with this defense. So, so your- number one is actually more of a timing thing than it is a player thing. And it's the first part of the season when we're not sure that Trey White's going to be back. We don't know if he is going to be back, whether he'll be back at full speed. And we know that Kyrie will, Elon will still be finding his feet in the NFL. I think that first four weeks-ish period is it worries me. I think we're fortunate that the only sort of, I would say, top-tier quarterback we're playing in that period is going to be Matthew Stafford. That's going to be on week one. So the opener, if you're going to play him at, any point, maybe, and we're in that situation. Maybe it's that that's a, that's a not a bad time to play him, but I do think that we might it might be a bit ropey at cornerback for a few weeks to start off with. I'm not sure. I'm confident we're going to be going in for guns blazing, and hopefully this defensive line, this new defensive line, will compensate for that. But um, yeah, I think that's definitely a concern. It's just the early season gelling of this of this defense and what whether we get the Trey White back basically. Yeah, I feel like you're a little bit harsh with the quarterbacks who play at the start of the season. Are you not concerned by uh, Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett or any of these guys? No. <laughs> I mean, put it this way: I think Montana Hill. Scheme, I think we can scheme against them. Tim. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> Fair we enough. can scheme yeah. against their strengths. So. But yeah, I mean, no, these guys fine. are not going to kill you down the field. Um, no. what, was it week four's the Dolphin? No, week. Freeze the Dolphins. Three is the Dolphins, yeah. Uh, Ravens, is it first? And then the Steelers? I mean, we are going to have to go up against Tariq Hill, but um, I think that it's still two are throwing in the ball. And uh, we saw those loopy rainbows uh, on on Twitter a while ago. I mean, I I think we have to be, we have to wait and see what we see. But yeah, um, of course. They said Stafford is the one that probably concerns me the most out of uh, the quarterbacks we face in the other parts. It's probably one of these, the only quarterbacks that we'll face in that first few weeks that can throw it down the field you know he's got a strong arm so you're right we have to be a bit more he's also uh, prone to a pick or pick or two so um mm-hmm. you know maybe uh, Poyer and Hyde will be there uh, ready for that but um yeah I think it's just a concern I think you know it's not a perfect situation to have Trey White still recovering from an injury and as well married to a, a yeah. developing cornerback who's new to the league I mean we've obviously we have a bit of backup there I think we have some quality there so it's not the end of the world and we know offensive sorry defensive line will improve this is a talented 
defensive back coaching group. So there's lots of things that can mitigate that, but it's still something that we should pay attention to. Mm. I'll pretty much piggyback off yours. Um, I just want to start by saying that, you know, when I express my free concerns, this is such a strong unit. Like it's consistently been one of the top defenses in the league it's outside of 2020. With, mate, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to nitpick with this. Yeah. So even though I express there are only slight concerns or three really. So I'll start with the cornerback depth. So being granted our wishes by drafting Kyrie Elam in the first round, but we still lack a little bit of veteran depth. Depth, I think. I know Dane Jackson performed really well and above expectations in uh, year, his year two last season. But you look at the cornerbacks behind Trey White and Kyrie Elam. It is. Um, Dane Jackson and I think Cam Lewis would be the fourth outside corner and he's done pretty well when he's had to play as well but it's just the Sounds names like you've been playing think, safety in the, uh, in the yes. OTAs I think a few of them have like Christian Benford they're talking about you know he, he was starting you know as a safety as well so uh, who knows really not what's going on in that um, cornerback room in the outside corners so, and here's a question for you we know that um if you can hung, hang on to cap space and roll it into the next season, it's worth yeah. worth doing. But, um, you know, the Bills do have a little bit of cap space, I think. Uh, would you, I think we're about four or five million, something of that order. Um, yeah. Would you draft a veteran cornerback? I mean, I don't know who's sort of floating around that would be probably, there's someone in that sort of two, million, two and a half million range. Probably not. So Hayden's lot. still there, isn't he? Yeah, but and... I, think, I, think he wants, I think he wants more more money than that. I think mm. I got a feeling he wants more like four or five. Um, it's my sense. Um, As you say, like, you know, we haven't got loads left and we've got to be careful with the amount of money that we've still got left available to us. But I still think if there's someone there that's got some experience, that's pretty happy to be a third, fourth, you know, cornerback on our depth chart then I'd still like to look into getting someone just because as you said the Trey White injury we don't know when he's going to come back Kyrie Elam he's a new player you know he's got to know learn the system and I've got you know high level confidence that he will but you're still going to have Dane Jackson at the start of the season if Trey White's not available you're still going to start the season with Kyrie Elam and Dane Jackson with the only real uh but the next in line would be Cam Lewis. I do quite like Nick, uh, Nick McLeod, though. Um, mm, yeah. I quite liked him in um, the preseason games we saw last season. I've got a fair amount of optimism that he'll perform well in those games and stay on our roster, potentially. So it's not all doom and gloom. As I say, I am nitpicking, but I just feel like yeah. that... Yeah, I think one... it's, fair, it's a fair point. Yeah. It's a fair point. Yeah. So, what about I, I, your second? It's, and again, this is a bit nitpicky, and I feel like I wrote this before... Um, the recent OTAs, but it's about Poyer's contract, really. And is there a sort of disruptive influence associated that? Is that your number three? Is it? You've got. Oh, that's my two. Well, we yeah, we don't need to over egg it, but I mean, no. and let's say I, I think that my gut feel is that Poyer is a true professional, and if he's playing, if if he's been told, look, we can't afford you um, in 2023, um, he's then playing for his next contract. And I suspect that will mean that he's uh, pretty committed. Um, you'll only get paid one more time. Um, so, I mean, there was some talk of, well, could we let this one run through, then franchise tag him? I think that's a really bad idea. I think, you know, when you get forcing people to play for your team rather than um, that, that's yeah. difficult. Um, that's difficult. And I think that the money he would want is, is pretty significant. I, I 
you know, if you look at the other contracts that are floating around. Um, but we'll see. Um, as I said, I'm just slightly concerned about the unsettling fact that does that impact Micah Hyde? You know, the fact he knows his best mate's going to be going. Um, what does that What does that mean for us at safety? Uh, I just you can't just pay pay everybody. And although I think he's been a terrific player for us in recent years, this might be one of those areas where they think we we can't afford to pay two two safeties that level. Mm. Where do you stand on Poyer being extended? It sounds like you're. Um, I think we talked about it a number of episodes ago, and I think he, for, for both of us, is pretty at the bottom of uh, the players that we oh, want to extend. It, when it, you look at Knox and all yeah. that. I mean, let's be very clear. He's a, good, he's a good player, and he's been a very good player in recent years for the Buffalo Bills. And if you find a way of keeping him, you'd want to keep him, but you can't pay everybody. So what yeah. I would say is that that position is of the defensive backs, probably the easier one to replace. Um, I think that it's much harder to get really top quality pro bowl level, pro bowl level cornerbacks. I mean, we have to say Taron Johnson has been a tremendous uh, pick as well. And he's, he's doing so well. He's also been paid. Um, we were, we're basically paying four out of the five defensive backs right now. It's, that feels with Josh's contract going to be difficult. Also, we putting more money into the defensive line with uh, with Von Miller. Um, so I think that you've got to you've got to sacrifice somewhere. And, and normally, if you're, you're putting the money into the defensive line, you're sacrificing the defensive backs. And I suspect that they'll, they'll let him walk at the end of uh, 2022. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I haven't got much else to say outside of that. Really, um, obviously, he was there at mandatory mini camp, so um, not overly concerned. But it's something that does need to get resolved sooner rather than later. I think yeah. you know he is important to this defense, um, and there's just going to be a lot of questions. I feel generated by the fact that we know he's unhappy. We know he's changed agent. I imagine that when we get into training you know, camp and McDermott. <laughs> Yeah, well, she's got an opinion too about everything, but we won't get into that, will we, at this time of the day? Uh, rather, but uh, Life's too short to talk about her opinions, yeah. Yeah, indeed. So shall we move on to the third uh, concern yeah. that we have? Struggle with this one. I think, yeah. like you say, it's really nitpicky. And I thought, you know, that could there be issues in terms of this defensive line uh, gelling? Yeah, maybe. But I think the, the third one is, is really Tremaine Edmonds and does he become the player that we want to see him uh, be? Uh, does he step up? And if he does step up, can we afford him? And it goes back to this point about what are we going to do at linebacker next year? Um, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a quandary. You know, you want to see him become this top five, six level middle linebacker in the league. He's not at that level right now. But if he does, what does that mean for what we've got to pay him? And can we afford to pay him? Um, so on one hand, you want him to be the player, but he's, he's a perfectly effective, effective middle linebacker, sort of middle ranked, I would say right now. And I think... He's also tough to value given his wingspan, just how many plays he takes away, the zones of the field he takes away. It's not easy to replace that skill set, but um, he's going to last year of his contract. Um, and um, yeah, we've got, to, we've got to see what he can do. Um, but I am concerned. I still think he's, he's, he's still quite young. Um, people always forget like, how young he was when he was drafted and he doesn't seem to have matured and got better, better, better every year as we've seen in other players. So yeah, Yeah. I'm nitpicking. I think he's a perfectly effective player, but is he going to become the player we want to be? And if we want him to be, and if he does, can we afford him? Yeah. I understand why a lot of Bill's Matthew, he's very polarizing, isn't he? You either love him and you really appreciate, you know, what he does in the field, you know, he's pretty, you know, uh, he, he doesn't make, 
um, game you know, changing you know. splash plays or I think that's the biggest thing for me when I watch the Bills defence and I watch Jermaine Edmonds he usually gets caught behind guards and you know he doesn't have clear lanes hopefully the run defence you know the improvements we made there will allow him to have that but it's just the impact plays he doesn't create you know force enough fumbles he doesn't you know create make any interceptions I know that's because the uh, quarterbacks try and throw away from him you know, so it's hard for yeah, him to make those plays. This but... is my point, really. Is that, and let's face it, Tim. Although we are Brits, we do we do we do kind of get into the weeds in terms of football, and we look at the details as best we can. We try and understand the game. We try and learn the game. An awful lot of people are nothing like as invested in this team or, or the level of detail that we are. So, from a, a, a you know, I say an, an average you know normal fan, what they do is they go, well, "I didn't see him do anything." But what they're not valuing is the stuff that is stopping happening just by being on the field. And that's much harder to, to quantify unless you are in the weeds and you're listening to sort of people like Eric Turner on cover one and you're sort of seeing the analytical breakdown. 95% of people don't touch that kind of stuff because yeah. they're just, you know, they've got, they've got lives to live. For some reason, you and I, we <laughs> you seem to, to find time to look at that kind of thing. But um, once you would do look at it and you can see the fact that actually this is forcing the quarterback to go outside, then we've got our strength at cornerbacks, that's delaying it. Oh, suddenly we, we've sacked the quarterback because the ripple effect starts from Tremaine Edmonds and taking away in the middle of the field. So I don't know. I think that's harder for your average fan to quantify and judge because you're not looking at that. You're looking at the ball, you're looking at the splash plays. Um, and I think that's why he gets some stick, let's say. But what we do know is that McDermott will value it to a certain point and be more valuable. They will know what, what, what they've got in him. Um, and I trust them to make a good decision. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool. My last one. I've yep. got one more. You've so, found something, have you? Found something else to nitpick at. Yeah, so, <laughs> again, this, there's only a slight concern. As I said earlier, that when you look at the comparison, you know, for the players we had in 2021 versus the 2022 season, on paper, we made great improvements on this defensive, you know, tackle room, the one-tech position especially. So we should be yeah, better at stopping the run. Three, three steps up, I think. At least two yeah. and a half um, with with Elam, uh, Daquan Jones and Von Miller. I mean, that's that's quite a big improvement uh, yeah. in the defence. And I wouldn't disagree, but we've got to see the results of that. They've got to prove that, you know, we have made improvements. And I, I'm certainly confident that they have. But it's just, it's been our Achilles heel in previous seasons, hasn't it? The, you know, run defence in certain games. Certain games, it's really good. And when we played against Derrick Henry and, you know, we have limited him in some games and, you know, not allowed him to get a huge yards per carry. But there have been games as well that we've just allowed teams to run all over us. And just that nagging thought in the back of my mind that, you know, if you think of performances where we've allowed 200 plus yards rushing, it's just still fresh in my mind. And there's still a lot of pain and anguish towards those performances where we've just allowed running backs to run through us and, you know, uh, chew clock down and that kind of thing so again it's a small one it's only a slight concern because I do feel like we have made big strides and big improvements but they, this group has to you know show that that the, the, you know they've got to um, put these performances in and show on the field that they've made you know good investments and we are a solid unit now and run defence and it's not only just because of the um, past performances but it's teams that we've got to play this season you know you look at the AFC East uh, we think that we're a superior team but they're all going to be pretty run heavy and I feel like especially the Dolphins this year they're probably the worst running uh, team rushing team uh, last season but they've made a good investment in their running 
um, running back group, um, a few improvements in their offensive line. So I feel like they will be better. And obviously with um, McDaniels, their head coach, they're going to have, you know, they're going to be scheming up run game to allow to us some time. Then you've got the Ravens, Browns and Titans. They're all going to be run heavy teams. So again, I'm not concerned. I think that it's going to be a much improved unit. I think it's just in the back of my mind, seeing the run defence struggle at times over the last few years. Um, mm, I'm still yeah. concerned just that, you know, we've made these investments and we might not see the results of that straight away and we might struggle, especially at the start of the season, especially against Ravens. I'm thinking about, you know, the Rams are a pretty good rushing team. Uh, we might just struggle a little bit towards the start of the season. But hopefully, as you say, when they start to play together, when they galvanise a little bit on the field, that we will be a better in, improved unit there. So yeah. that's my last one. I think it's a very fair one. You know, just how quickly does this team gel? I think by the end of the season, we should be seeing the best of it. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fair fair comment. I don't think we have an awful lot to talk about on special teams. We do very no. quickly before we close things out. I mean, it seems we, we essentially have three, three areas that we need to talk about. Punter, you know, we all had, well, we had diabolical worst in the league punting performance last year. So I think we're all hoping that Matt Eraser can step in and, and, and take over from um, Matt Hawk and his let's say, less than ideal performance. I think um, that's a thing. I know we all joke about Matt Eraser and he's not, you know, he's not held at all ever. And that's a skill he's got to learn. And we think, oh, we holding. Yeah. We don't know. No, exactly. I mean, and, you know, he's probably more... doing it in the field house every day, for all we know. Yeah. Anyway, he's got to be practicing that. And the he, fact he absolutely he's is. not doing it publicly yeah. is just to kind of keep the kind of the the buzz down I think I mean the well, media is only available on certain days right so and they only see certain things well there's been a lot of reports from the guys that have been around you know the uh, mini camps and that kind of thing you know we know that that is a skill he's working on and a lot of us you know we're not as educated we don't really understand the nuance of you know holding but that is a real thing clearly and that's what why Matt Hack stayed on this roster last season so We've either got Matt Hack and he's going to be the worst punter uh, in the NFL, or we've got Matt Razor, who's a rookie in terms of actually holding. So clearly it's not an ideal uh, situation to be in. We all hope Matt Razor steps up there. Um, so, you, yeah, as you said, we've got the punter situation. The return game as well is a concern for me. Um, we've not got established true... Um, Returner, we've got lots of options. Yeah, we've got you, a load of guys. Where's your money at the moment? I mean, it seems oh. like there's about five different people that could take this job. If you got, well, let's, let's have a gentleman's bet between the two of us. We, we, we do not have anywhere near enough information to make this bet, but let's just take a guess. Who would be, you, who do you think week one is starting at Returner? I think, because the thing is, I'd say <laughs> Stevenson as the punt returner, but then I don't even think he makes a roster. So what happens then? You know, I think McKenzie will clearly have, you know, the best path because he's going to make the 53 and he's got return experience. But he, I don't know if he underwhelmed, but I think we're all expecting a little bit of um, well, lucky he play from him last season. I don't yeah. know, where do you stand on him? Like, I, I feel like he's got the best chance, but I'm well, not comfortable by yeah. him returning. Joe Romino puts this well. There's a reason. Let He's me punted it. for another team. Yeah. 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 Let me return. For another let team. me look at it another way. We were so concerned about the level of consistency we had to have Micah Hyde sit in, and Micah Hyde wasn't returning. He was just catching the ball, right? So it's clear that this coaching staff values predictability 
and making sure you got the ball back in Josh Allen's hands more than getting those extra yards. Um, so to be fair to Micah Hyde, he actually got the extra yards in the postseason. I would, he? I would let Micah Hyde run with it. I think the only issue is because he's our starting you know, yeah. superstar safety. They just don't want him to get injured. Yes, it can be a bit of a brutal hit when you are, uh, you know, you're uh, you're returning uh, stuff. So I think that's the only reason they don't let him. But I would let him. I think he's, he's fantastic with the ball in his hands. But but mm. I, I understand why they, <laughs> I understand why they don't. But I mean, my guess would be Jameson Crowder. Yeah, I think he, I think he might. He might. Yeah. I keep getting. I don't know about you, but you sometimes forget you've got certain players. You've got Khalil Shakir, haven't we? And I would love it the, to be Khalil Shakir. I think that yeah. would be fantastic because I mean, for what I've seen, he's he's quite dynamic with the ball in his hands. <laughs> it's hard to predict that though, because you've just not seen him. Like, no, no. We all know I, I, that. I, 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 make a guess. My guess is Jameson Crowder. Who's yours? Week one. Yeah, uh, I'll say Mackenzie. All right. That's well, that's the boring choice, isn't it? And I'm fully aware of that. So here's my. I was having a, a ponder on what players are most likely to get traded. You know, we've seen Bean do this in the past, haven't we, where he's yeah. traded players to pick up draft picks, players that we were going to cut. I've got a sneaky feeling. If you look at the depth of this wide receiver room, if Khalil Shakir performs, McKenzie might get traded and Bills Mafia will lose their shit about it. But there's a lot of good quality wide receivers um, that we're looking at and uh, uh, not all going to make this roster. And he is one that actually has some potential draft capital value. Um, what would be the value, though? Do you think he is get, going? You'd get a fifth for him, I think. Yeah, that's that's where I'm thinking. Yeah, fifth, sixth, yeah. maybe. If you're going to cut him anyway, you, you, you trade him, don't you? So he's on the Brian contract. Brian Dable, so give him a call. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they've mean, got quite a few of those guys like, there. That's why they drafted. To one be clear, this isn't necessarily what I would do, but it's just kind of what I think. It's, I think it's a possibility because yeah. they're not paying him vast money. They've used him very, very sparsely, and they've now got people who can do the same job as he can do uh, in that wide receiver room. You know, there are people that have the legs. It, it's, I think it's genuinely competitive, and I think he's still competing for a job. A lot of people are saying, oh, he's, he's a lock. I don't think he's a lock. Um, I think if you see others step up, um, there's, a, there's a chance he, he gets traded. But um, yeah. Anyway, what about I, guess, what, well, go ahead. I was just going to say quickly what we're excited about. I suppose it's Tyler Bass because he's been, you know, consistently a high performing kicker in the league. And then just the coverage unit. I cannot I, believe you haven't said Reeve Ferguson. I mean, you know, Reed, <laughs> best long snap in the league. Best long snap in the league. Everyone loves that. Um, <laughs> Um, like, no, Sorry, just I distracted you. you. Yeah, he's, he's good, Tyler. Yeah, he's good. Um, but, you know, not. I find it hard to get excited by a kicker. Sorry. No, no that's fair enough. But the coverage <laughs> unit, I get excited about. I think they do a really good job. Like Tywin Jones, Sir O'Neill, there's Gunners. Um, I feel like they've brought in a few other players. You've got Tyler Matakavich. Like it, the dynamic's going to be a slightly different because obviously a special teams coach has changed. So he Farwell. Has he gone to the Jags? I think he's gone. He's a special teams coordinator somewhere. I think he's at the Jags, which is fair play. Good luck there. I have to be honest, um, my. Um... And not keeping up with special teams coordinators as, as, as no, but it's as Matthew Smiley now, isn't it? So who knows? We might see, uh, you know, maybe possibly a little bit of regression there. So that always seemed to be pretty consistently good, though, didn't under? I think, we, I think we're, we're, we are around. really in the weeds here. <laughs> Do you not know, get excited by this coverage unit? I love seeing them no. chase after fifty-five minutes. I mean, if anyone's still listening, you know, you've got my permission to turn it off as we're talking long snappers. Shall we say like if, if someone messages us the keyword? Like coverage unit or something, <laughs> they win a prize. Yeah, 
well, what would that prize be? That's a good a question. Beer at the Fitzrovia. Beer at Fitzrovia Bell. If, yeah, if you say if you say the word coverage to us, DM us on Bills from Afar at Twitter. Uh, Bills from Afar on Twitter. DM us with the word coverage. We know you made it to the end, and you'll be probably the only person that did. And I will buy you a beer in the Fitzrovia Bell on week three. That's Great good. stuff. All right, let's wrap up this. Uh, this rambling uh, shower of <laughs> nonsense. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Um, we will be back uh, soon, uh, hopefully next uh, next week, uh, with uh, a new and exciting show. Um, we've got something quite interesting planned, but we'll hold on to that for the time being. And uh, you can get in touch with us if you want. We are on email, billsfromafar at gmail.com or on Twitter. I am charlie underscore sport. He is Tim Rose 90. And until next time, go Bills. Go Bills.